William was a very good man. He was loved by his family. He was a very hard worker. And this Monday for William started just like any other normal Monday. He awoke as he always did very early in the morning, got ready. Before he left the bedroom, he looked back at his wife, Anne, who was still asleep, and he smiled. They've been married for almost 10 years now, and he thought that she was the greatest thing in the world. Without even realizing it, it had become part of a sort of his unconscious routine in the morning that when he reached the door frame, he would turn around over his left shoulder and just look and watch her sleep for a moment just before leaving. Before he slipped down the stairs, William tiptoed over to the door of their only child, little Susan. She had just turned three, and she was already daddy's little girl. She had daddy wrapped around her little finger. She was always asleep as it was still a very early hour, but William still liked to tiptoe over over to her room, see her, and whisper in her little ear, goodbye, I love you, before leaving. William went downstairs, got a cup of coffee, headed out to his truck, and left. He liked some of his job. You see, William would go every day to a warehouse, and he would get a huge amount of soft drinks and bottled water and energy drinks, and then he would spend the morning delivering those all over town to various businesses and vending machines. He liked that he got to see most of the same people every day. He liked to talk to folks. And so William liked that he slowly got to know at least a few of the people at the hospital the doctor's office, the mall, and a few other places he went each day. He also liked this morning hour for listening to the radio. You see, William was an avid sports fan, and so his dial was always set on sports talk radio so he could catch up with the action from the night before. You see, William had to get up really, really early in the morning, and so he had to go to bed a lot of times before a lot of the big games were finished. And this was his way to keep up with what was going on. But on this Monday morning... The radio wasn't on. Oh, he was still having a good day, but you see, William's mind was preoccupied. Ever since little Susan had been born, William had started going with his wife and their little girl to church. William liked the people there. After all, he had grown up with quite a few of them, and the preacher was easy to understand. He liked that his little girl, Susan, enjoyed her Bible class, and he was even ever so much more proud of the little coloring sheets and the, the fact that she could talk about all these Bible stories so well. William, well, he didn't care himself to dig too deeply into the Bible, but he thought it was good for children, yes, there was another one on the way, to know about morality and to know about these heroes of the Bible. But what was weighing on his mind this morning was something that the preacher had said the day before. It wasn't anything new, but for some reason it seemed like the preacher had sort of gotten up this sermon just for William. William liked the preacher. After all, who doesn't like a preacher? William liked the preacher. He, He was nice. He always wanted to know how things were going in their home. He seemed genuinely interested in Susan, and he tried to keep up with William's hobby as well. You see, William was actually a really great fisherman. And his dream was even to enter professional fishing tournaments. The preacher got to fish sometimes, and so he would sometimes ask William about his successes and if he had a few new tips on how to do a better job. William thought it was kind of neat. The preacher was just another regular guy. But the day before, the preacher had delivered a sermon on the plan of salvation. 
He had gone through verses that William had heard so many times over the last couple of years while he'd been going to church. And the reason was that the preacher ended nearly every single sermon by walking through what he called the five steps of salvation. It had become so common that William knew that part of the sermon by heart. The preacher may have been nice, but sometimes he was a bit predictable. The preacher had talked about how without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. He pointed out that faith was the very foundation of all that we do. He even spent some time in John 3.16, a verse that William knew very well, and especially that part, that whoever believes in Him. William thought to himself as he drove, I, I believe in Jesus. I may not know a lot, but I believe that He was real. The preacher then spent a few minutes talking about repentance. One thing William liked about this preacher was that he made sure that people understood all those Bible words. You see, he had taken two or three minutes the day before to actually define repentance. He said it was a change of mind or a change of attitude that results in a change of action. He went back in the Old Testament to the story of Jonah and how that very famous prophet had walked away from God's assignment in Jonah chapter 1, but then repented and walked towards God's assignment in Jonah chapter 3. He talked about Peter. And how how that man had denied Jesus, in fact, denied him three times on the same night, but how Jesus still saw good in Peter, and so forgave him when he repented. And the preacher then made it clear that repentance is still necessary. God will not allow someone to heaven who has not turned from sin. He quoted Luke 13, verse 3, where Jesus said, Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And as William drove, his mind raced a little bit. He wondered, have I repented? He didn't do anything that was really wrong, but did he feel about sin exactly the way God felt about sin? William had to stop and make a delivery. So he jumped out of his truck, got a few pallets on his dolly, and went inside. While he was filling vending machines, he said hello to some people he had grown to respect over the years. You see, he was at the hospital. And where he lived and worked, some of the top surgeons in the entire world worked there. In fact, one of the doctors that William saw almost every day was the one who who had delivered his sweet little Susan just three years earlier. William's positive attitude always brought a smile to their face. He finished his delivery and resumed his thoughts in the truck. He he thought to himself, "Where, where was I? Oh yeah, the preacher also talked about confession. And how it was basically being willing to state that you believe in Jesus and being willing to live to that fact that you believe in Jesus. He said that Jesus Himself had uttered the words, Whoever confesses Me before men, Him will I confess before My Father who is in heaven. Matthew 10, verse 32. In the two or three years William had been going to church, he had seen, oh, maybe six or eight people do that. And he had heard about others doing it at camp or at retreats. And then the preacher had taken what seemed like a bit of a break. He talked about how there are a lot of people who teach that that's all that there's needed. But the Bible makes it clear that there's one more step. And of course, William knew that this preacher was going to talk forever about baptism. That's all this preacher ever seemed to want to talk about. But instead, he just talked for a moment or two. The preacher just quoted a couple of verses and made two or three comments. He mentioned Acts 2.38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He quoted Mark 16, 16, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
And then he spoke about how baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And after a couple of more sentences, it seemed he was done. But what stuck with William was what the preacher said next. He said, it's really that simple. But some in here have never done that. And what amazed William then was that the preacher seemed to break down a bit. It was obvious that this wasn't planned. It was obvious this wasn't some kind of act. He choked up. And he left his notes for a minute, which over the last couple of years, William had observed, was always an interesting proposition. But he left his notes and he began to just plead with people to come to Jesus. In the auditorium, William sat about about halfway back. But even from there, he could see that a large tear had formed in the eye of the preacher and was rolling down his cheek as he just pleaded with people and went through that plan one more time. And then he said, you never know. This may be your last chance to come to Jesus. William had thought about walking forward that day, but as he always had, he decided against it. You see, unbeknownst to his wife, Anne, He'd been reading the Bible on his own during some breaks at work. He liked that it was helping him be more positive. He just didn't figure out, he couldn't figure out why he needed to follow that plan of salvation. After all, he was a good guy. Everybody liked him. His wife adored him. He was a great father. He had been raised to believe that good people go to heaven. And he was a good person. But on this Monday morning, that sermon just kept rolling through his head. And so finally he decided that after his final delivery of the day, he would drop by the church building. He wasn't convinced he needed to be baptized, but he wanted to see if the preacher was there. He wanted to talk about this idea of being a good person. And why this preacher kept saying, William, you need to be baptized. William, you need to be baptized. Why? Why me? William was pleased with that decision. And so he started making his deliveries a little faster than normal. He liked the preacher, and it was enough that he was excited about spending a few minutes with him, even if it wasn't talking about fishing. And suddenly, William struggled to control his truck. It wasn't an earthquake. He wasn't in an accident. It was the sky. There was a piercing, blinding light that seemed to overtake the entire sky. And William actually shouted, even though he was alone in the truck, what's going on? As he tried to to keep from hitting another vehicle, he ended up going off the road into a shallow ditch, but thankfully he was okay. Confused but amazed, he slowly got out of the truck and that light just continued. But now that light had an accompaniment. There was an overwhelming sound. It was like the blare of a trumpet. And William dropped to his knees because he was pretty sure he knew what was going on. You see, he remembered a verse that he had read just a few days earlier on one of his work breaks that talked about Jesus returning with the trumpet of God. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. He remembered that the rest of the verse talked about there being a call of command, the voice of an archangel. The noises in the sky just kept growing louder and louder. And William wondered, is that what those sounds are? And suddenly, he appeared. The preacher often said that Jesus was coming again in the clouds because he had gone to heaven in the clouds. Acts 1, verse 11. All that sounded interesting to William, but it never seemed, it seemed more like science fiction than something that would really happen. 
But now it was all too real. Though William had obviously never seen Jesus in the flesh, there was no mistaking that the one up in the clouds was him. And then the strangest thing happened. William was able to to get his bearings and to glance around. He realized where he was. His truck had gone off in, in a little ditch just outside that town's local cemetery. And the reason he had to glance, the reason he couldn't keep his eyes from looking, was because there were actually people beginning to come up out of some of the graves. He had heard about this in one of the Bible classes he had sat through with his wife as he giggled along because he, he couldn't help but in his mind think, what are they going to look like? Are they going to look like zombies? Are they going to look like ghosts? Are they going to look like flow? What, what is this going to look like? And he got all, all tickled about it. And now he realized the answer to that question didn't really matter. But only, only a few of the graves were opened at first. Could this be the rapture that those TV preachers have been talking about? No, it couldn't be that. Because they kept saying it was going to be very secret and very quiet. And this was anything but that. This was the most overwhelming thing William could ever imagine. His mind went back to his Bible reading. And he thought again about 1 Thessalonians 4. That 16th verse of that chapter had ended. The dead in Christ will rise first. But William knew what that meant. And suddenly, other people began just to float right off the earth. Then, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, verse 17 had said. A few hours earlier, William had looked over his left shoulder to see his wife asleep in the bed. And now realizing where he was a few hours later, he looked over that same left shoulder, and sure enough, there was a sweet wife, Anne, going up, to meet her Lord in the clouds. But she wasn't alone. Beside her was little Susan, his precious daughter. Because you see, she was young enough that sin was, was not part of her young life. Will I join them? He thought. After a few moments, everything seemed to stop. Maybe, maybe the truth about all this had been somewhere in the middle. Maybe it wasn't the secret rapture those TV preachers kept talking about. But maybe the preacher at the church had been wrong too and William was going to get a second chance. Maybe everything had just halted and that was it. And then just as suddenly as that thought entered his mind, William himself began to float. And the rest of those graves beside him were opened. Everyone else he could see, as far as he could see, was rising up. And as he rose, William had not a thought that was humorous, but very human. He thought he would get cold. Because you see, he, he had always dreamed about climbing mountains. And he knew that the higher up you get off the ground, the, the colder it gets. He knew those mountains well, even though he hadn't climbed them yet. He studied them online, and he had friends who mountain, uh, climbed mountains. And he knew that the higher you went, the more there was snow and freezing temperatures. He thought he would be cold, but instead, it felt as if the bottom of William's feet were being licked by flames. And so he looked down, and they were. In fact, everything around him, seemed to be burning. The entire world seemed to be burning. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works and all that are done on it will be exposed. 2 Peter 3.10 What came to William's mind next was a realization. From the moment he had gone off the road and that light shone, 
until now as he was floating upward, it had seemed like hours, at least minutes. It seemed like forever had passed. But, but it hit him. It had all happened in just a few moments. It was the fastest series of events he could possibly imagine. Only he wasn't imagining. And now, William was just one among many. He looked in every direction, and he could see nothing except vast oceans of people. People of every race, people who spoke all kinds of languages, obviously people from every time period. Some looked a lot like him. Some could not have looked any different from him. But what totally captivated his mind was way out in front of him. Way out across this ocean of people, there was a gleaming. And it seemed to be shaped like a throne. And there was amazing brilliance that, that nearly blinded William again. I mean, could, could that be? And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before a throne. And the books were open. Revelation 20, verse 12. With this many people, it could be eons before my name is called, he thought. But no sooner had that thought entered his mind than he heard the words, William Thompson. Now he was sure that throughout all of history, there had been plenty of William Thompsons. But for some reason, he could not miss the fact that this was his moment. He knew it was him. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Revelation 20 and verse 12 had continued. William knew what he was going to hear. In agony, he dropped to his knees because he knew who it was he was speaking to. In his job and through a few connections, he had seen and met some very famous people, very powerful people. In fact, once on vacation, he had even gotten to shake the hand of the Queen of England. This was far different. In the presence of those famous and powerful people, William before had been nervous. Now he was terrified. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9-11. William had liked Jesus while he was here on the earth, but now he found himself terrified in his presence. And after a few moments, William heard the sentence, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil. And his angels. Matthew 25, 41. William knew it was futile, but he pleaded. But but why? I was a good person. I was good to my wife. I was good to my daughter. I was a good citizen. People liked me. I didn't complain much. I held down a steady job. I worked with ethics and honesty. I was a good neighbor. I don't deserve this. And even before Jesus himself could answer, the words of his Bible reading rang in his ears that Jesus would return 
inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. William knew his fate. It was sealed. He did deserve it. And for eternity, for eternity, he will think about what if? What if I had just walked down the aisle one of those times I thought about it? What if I had decided to meet with the preacher months ago when I first started really thinking about baptism? What if I had started going to church for me instead of going to church for my daughter? What if I had talked with my wife more about faith instead of keeping it over on the side in a secret? What if I had accepted the preacher's invitation to study the Bible? What if I had gone to church with Anne even before we were married instead of waiting until after we had a child? What if I had listened to that friend in high school who kept inviting me to the youth group? What if? And now, for eternity, William would have nothing to do except ponder the answer to those questions. But even sadder is that William knows the answer to those questions. And so you see, for eternity, William will not only ask the question, what if, William will spend eternity saying, only if. For what is your life? It's just a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. James 4.14 The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Second Peter 3 and verse 10 It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 Who knows? This could be your last chance to obey the gospel. We have people in this room, people who come every week, who have never obeyed the gospel. We have teenagers, we have adults who have never put Christ on in baptism. Why do you wait? We have Christians in this room who have put Christ on in baptism. And, and you come week after week, but during the week, you're not living like it. It's time to get right. It's time to get right. Is it your time? Oh, I pray it is. Don't wait a moment any longer, but come as we stand and as we sing.